All right, good morning, everyone. I love hearing the sound of the church. It's so good. Well, good morning. My name is Dominic. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm excited to be with you. Uh, we're in the book of James, chapter 3. If you have a Bible, you can turn to it in paper or in your digital version, and it'll be on the screen as well. But we've been talking about wisdom, and as I've been thinking about wisdom for every day, um, wisdom is not necessarily a word that we use in our vernacular these days. I think we look for advice. Uh, we, we think of wisdom maybe as somebody who's intelligent or brilliant. Maybe in today's terms, it's somebody who's an influencer. Uh, but it's, it's not maybe a word that we use often, but we're all looking for it. I can't help but go to the grocery store and see magazines, and they're all expounding some sort of wisdom around what I'm supposed to do with my money or my sex life or my marriage or my kids or the aliens that landed, if you're looking at the Inquirer or whatever. <laughs> like just, there's wisdom being expounded in film about food, about fitness, about uh, your, your marriage and parenting. There's wisdom being dispensed moment by moment, day by day. For some of us in the room, we grew up hearing that you're not supposed to trust anybody over 30. Anybody alive during that time? My boomers, I'm looking at you, yeah. And now you're over 30 and you probably have kids over 30, so that wisdom sucked. <laughs> My generation, you might have heard that stupid is as stupid does and life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. For today's generation, you've learned about cooking with NyQuil, and I don't know why you'd ever make NyQuil chicken, but it's a thing. And you slap each other with tortillas, and that's a thing. And spoonfuls of cinnamon, and that's a thing. And that's wisdom for the age. When I got married, it was 2003, and as I had said I do, we were walking into our ceremony, and one of my wife's uh, family friends, longtime friend, pulled me aside and he said, I want to give you one piece of wisdom. And don't you love unsolicited wisdom? You're like, thanks. And he said, repeat after me, happy wife. Oh, you guys got the same wisdom? <laughs> yeah. Wives, how's that working out? Anybody? No? Is it going? It's actually true. It's, it's actually solved a lot of things. But wisdom is being dispensed all the time. And one of the things as a pastor for the last 25 years that's happened in my life, my week is inundated with people just asking, what's God's will for my life? Or how do we respond to cultural things? We were just talking about that and so happy that we're doing elephant in the room. See, there's two genders at one point, and now there's 82. Like, I don't, I'm confused. And why is that guy a furry? And why is he, is he hairy? No, he's got ears. And What? And the world's changed, and wisdom has changed, and, and, and we're trying to catch up, and, and the speed of information is insane. We're a generation and a people that have the most access to knowledge that any other person in life has ever had. And yet, knowledge doesn't necessarily equate wisdom. Can we get an amen with that? And so we're trying to discern what's right or wrong, what's good or bad. And the beauty about what James is saying, he's giving a new category. It's not right or wrong. He's going to give us two categories today. And he's going to say there's two categories of wisdom. There's a man-centric wisdom and there's a God-centric wisdom. There's wisdom that's from above and then there's earthly wisdom. And we all have the opportunity moment by moment to access either of those. And he paints a picture in this text, and then and this is kind of part one of part two. You'll see the outcome of living into that earthly wisdom and how it impacts the people around us. 
But he sets up and he says, there's an earthly wisdom and there's a heavenly wisdom. And, and this is how you can discern if that's happening. And it's not a moral checklist. It's remember to the people of God that have been set free and redeemed. They've, they've been saved and rescued and ransomed. They're, that they're new creations. And he's, he's inviting the new out of people. He's eliciting and saying, you as new creation live in such a way as this. And this is what wisdom looks like. Wisdom is a big deal in Scripture. I don't have enough time to talk about all the things the Bible says about wisdom this morning. No one wants to hear me talk that long, and my voice won't last that long. But we see that wisdom is a big deal, and the first part that it's a big deal is that it's a character of God. It's character of the God. It's character of Yahweh, the one that we worship, the one that we follow. He's a God of wisdom. Paul writes in Colossians, he says that, all the hidden treasures of wisdom are within him. And the beginning posture of wisdom is this, is that wisdom comes from, uh, uh, the understanding comes from the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Not that you're terrified and going, oh no, but a sense of reverence and awe of who he is. The idea of Yahweh, he, he speaks things into creation that out of his mouth, balls of fire came out. And we call that the sun and the star. And he said, let there be light. And there was light. And he said, let there be land. And there was land. And then he said, out of this dirt, I'm going to, Adam, put that guy to sleep. Crack that rib. Eve. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all understanding. He is holy. He is unearthly. He, he is otherly different. A common phrase that was going on, there was two bumper stickers when I was in high school. One was, Jesus is my homeboy. Anybody remember that? That was pretty dope. He's my essay. And the other one was, Jesus is my co-pilot. Anybody remember that one? Can I just say, Jesus is not your homeboy? Yes, he's that. He is a friend. But he's altogether otherly. He is God in flesh. That a healthy understanding and reverence has to be the beginning of all wisdom and understanding. And how nice that you let Jesus co-pilot the vehicle with all your wisdom. You let him occasionally drive when you're tired. No, he's altogether different. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. We see in 1 Kings, there's a king named Solomon, and he goes on to be known as the wisest man that ever lived and, and the richest man that ever lived. Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk have nothing compared to him. That was like his daily lunch menu is their total net worth. And you see him in chapter 3 ask the Lord for wisdom. And here's what the Lord's response was. If you see 1 Kings 3, 12, if you have it. This is the Lord saying, Behold, oh. I'm not that quick of a reader, sorry. <laughs> Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you have ever been before you and none like you shall rise after. And because you asked for wisdom, I will also give you what you did not ask for, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare to you all the days. He also says, if you, the next verse he says, that if you follow me, then I'll extend your life. If you're faithful to me, then your life will be extended. There's something mysterious about the wisdom of God. It informs all other areas of life. 
Solomon asked for wisdom to say, God, I want to be discerning of a king. I want to be wise. I want to be able to make right judgment. I want to be a just king. And would you give wisdom? And we see that it informs all life. It's a big deal in Scripture. And James is building on that. He's saying this is what real wisdom is going to look like. So let's look at it. Here's the Bible, 3.13. It'll be on the screen as well. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show up by his good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it and deny the truth. Verse 15, such wisdom does not come down from the heaven, from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil or demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Would you pray with me this morning as we study this and allow God, the God of wisdom, to give us wisdom this morning as we learn from his word. Lord, I thank you that there's none like you this morning. That as we worship you through song, it's just the extension to say that of your worship, that there's none like you. And, and our words and vocabulary fall short. We talk about a game or a piece of food or a sunset and say it's amazing, and yet we use that same word to describe you. And it just doesn't, doesn't get there. But as best as we can, we just say we're humbled before you. We acknowledge that you're with us and that you're king of kings and you reign this morning. That you're not surprised and as wisdom has shifted and changed over the ages, that you've stayed the same. And that you're constant and stable and that you're a God that will see that uh, invites us into a life of wisdom. That you're a God that gives it and dispenses it, just as you did to Solomon, that we have that same request this morning, that would you make us wise and give us understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. The first news, I have four news of good news that are declared in this passage. The first good news is that God is a God of wisdom and that he's wanting us to be wise. He's not keeping it hidden and he's not restraining wisdom from us. Remember James 1.5, he says that God gives wisdom and he gives it generously. If you don't have it, ask, and he'll give it generously without reproach. Solomon would write that, that out of the mouth, in Proverbs 2, out of the mouth comes wisdom and an understanding from the Lord. He, he wants to give it. There's actually a blessing in it. In chapter 3 of Proverbs, he says there's blessing in the wisdom that comes. And that's the posture of the Father, that he, he wants you to be blessed as you find wisdom, that you live out the intended life that he designed for you and me. His heart is not to be in opposition against you and you to try and find the decoder ring of life. But to say, my heart is that you would know this. I am all wise. Now you who have been new and informed by your newness live as image bearers of me. And then operate in wisdom. And where you lack it, 
Don't go to that news article, although there's good truth in that. Don't go to that news source. Don't go to that politician. Don't go to that website. Good truth in all of those things. I'm not saying you don't, but first start with me. The beginning of wisdom. The one who was outside of time and lives outside of time, who existed before the foundations of the earth. I might have something to say, and I want to give you that wisdom. You and I have all experienced a time where somebody gave us wisdom and we didn't really understand what it meant until maybe five or ten years later. My parents were the dumbest people on the planet when I turned 16. And by the time I turned 25, I was like, how did you guys get so smart? All of a sudden, there was this wisdom that made sense in life. And it wasn't perfect, but all of a sudden, it was like, oh, I need wisdom to understand the wisdom that's coming to me. And James is declaring good news that God wants that for you this morning. He wants that. He's ready to lavish wisdom on you. Are you wondering how your marriage is going to survive this morning? Are you wondering what your next job choice is going to be? Are you still struggling with singleness and wondering when God's going to bring you somebody? Are you trying to understand how to care for your kid who's gone wayward? Are you struggling with infertility this morning, going, God, how are we ever going to be parents that you, we've, we have this desire inside of us? Did you put all your investment in a Bitcoin? Sorry, that's a little bit too soon. Like, <laughs> what do we do with our finances? Praise God, we're so successful. We have such abundance. What do we do with it? Or God, we don't know how we're going to pay for groceries this week. All of us are seeking wisdom, and God is saying, I want to give you wisdom. That's my heart. That's the good news declared this morning. There's a marker of wisdom. As we read, there's two wisdoms. In verse 13, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? This is the marker of the God-centered wisdom that James writes. Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility. Say humility. That comes from wisdom. James is beating over and over again. Okay, now that God is a God of wisdom, you have been made new. You're image bearers of the king. You're his kids expressing the kingdom where you live, work, and play. Live wisely. And it's marked by not just what's happening internally, but the internal must inform the external. What's happening inwardly must be shown outwardly. Chapter 1, do what it says. You have to get in the game and do what it says. What good is your faith if it's just inside and knowledge, but not expressed? In this one verse, James is saying it's not about knowledge. It's not about a special skill. It's not about scholarship, although scholarship can help. It's something altogether different. It's the divine wisdom that comes from above. And is to be expressed now in a good life, in good conduct. That word in Greek literally means to turn about. You're walking one way and your good life is now to turn about this way and reflect a new reality and a new paradigm. Marked by humility. That humility is saying that God's dealing with my life is good. I see how God is dealing with my life in all the areas and categories of life, and I see it as good, and I'm humbled by it. 
the king of kings, the one who is all wise with all hidden treasures of wisdom what's inside of him, has now freely dispensed that to me, has now made me new, has now given me a good life. And I express that now in humility. Conversely, verse 14, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart and do not boast about, do not boast about it or deny its truth. James is saying, if humility is not the marker of the good life you're living, as the ones who have been touched by the newness of God and informed by that and are now new, and yet these characteristics are showing up, that's not wisdom from above. It's actually the promotion of a lie of the God of truth and the God that's all wisdom and his image bearers, his kids, living in such a way make no sense to the truth that is available. The bitterness is a farming term. It's a word to talk about a fruit or a gourd that is pungent or poisonous. That your wisdom is actually poisoning you and others. The, the selfish ambition, it, it was crazy. I texted Ryan, I think, because I was like, I cannot believe the Greek word for selfish ambition is so timely. It's a politician canvassing. It's, it's a politician campaigning to try and get their way, to try and say, I have the true source of wisdom. Can we just take a moment? Is that crazy? Like, as I'm like, getting my mail and getting all these, like, about every prop and politician, it's just like, oh, I guess there is nothing new under the sun. Your bitter, poisonous, pungent politics the way you're trying to get partisanship with the way you speak and the wisdom, you're trying to say, I'm all wise. And yet, the Lord and James in this text is saying, your wisdom fails. He is the one who is wise, and image bears dispense that wisdom. Your own wisdom corrupts. It's selfish. It's bitter. The boasting about it is literally to rejoice in a lie. One of the scariest passages I've ever read it was in Isaiah 11, and I just thought of this. A prophet would go and be the mouthpiece of God, and Israel, in Isaiah 11, says to Isaiah, he says, stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel and prophesy illusions to us. Stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel and prophesy illusions to us. We don't want the wisdom that's from above. Would you just tell us truth that sounds good to us? From own earthly wisdom, this seems what's right. Would you just tell us that? See, the Holy One of Israel, like that's a whole different standard, and we don't want to live by that. But could you just prophesy good things to us? Prophesy things that are pleasant to us. Get out of the way with the Holy One of Israel. James is saying that's incongruent. It doesn't line up. It's not a marker of those who have been touched by the newness of the, the God of heaven. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly and spiritual and of the devil. Earthly means transitory 
weak, temporary, constantly in flux. Unspiritual means it's guided by human feelings and reason. In demonic, it's the only time this word is used in the whole Greek Bible. It's just, it's completely counter to 180 to the wisdom that comes from above. There's no shortage of those examples of wisdom in our world, would you agree? Tethered to human feeling and emotion. Transitory. In my lifetime, I was told, eat eggs, don't eat eggs. Eat fat, don't eat fat. Skinny jeans, big jeans, skinny jeans, high jeans. Brown shoes, black shoes, vans, airwalks, converse. Wisdom that's transitory, it's changing. Versus a a long-standing, never-changing wisdom that's found in wisdom from above. Verse 16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. This idea of disorder is interesting because it's alluding to the first three chapters of the the letter that he's writing. It's talking about the one who's double-minded, or in chapter three, he's double-tongued. It's a person whose interest is, the wisdom is all about self-edification versus the edification of the body of Christ. Again, it's that partisan, politician campaigning, scheming for my own way so that you would say, you know what I walked away with? Dom is really wise. Dom has a lot of knowledge. Gosh, I can't wait for Ryan and Steve. Like, Steve Bennett, what a mind in our church. And I'm so glad we have such wisdom in our church. And I really like so-and-so when they speak, and I watch their podcast, and they're the source of wisdom for our life. If anything, that we can celebrate those gifts in the body of Christ, but anything that grabs glory for ourselves instead of deflects and points to the God of all wisdom is earthly wisdom, not wisdom from above. He has to be the source. Does that make sense? I uh, moved to the Bay Area in 2014 with my family and was a pastor up there and got to be a part of uh, a prison ministry in San Quentin. And prison ministry had been something I started in my teens. Right when God got a hold of my life, there was an opportunity in the church that I was serving at. And so I was going to uh, George Bailey down south and every Sunday take a group of guys and the scariest thing, they lock us in a room with prisoners. <laughs> and the, they're like, the help button is back by where Kelsey's at. <laughs> and I was like, how am I going to get to a group of guys? <laughs> like, there's no way. Can't, they needed some wisdom there. Um, so I loved it. So when I had the opportunity again to do it in San Quentin, I'm talking about murderers, rapists, like really gnarly stuff when you'd say, what did that guy do? Well, that guy chopped up his aunt and put her in a suitcase. But he's singing with you today. <clears throat> Great. Sounds good. Like, what did that guy do? Oh, you don't want to know about that. We don't even talk about that. And, and as I'm going, one of the pastors that we're working with, a wonderful man named Al Featherstone, was a chaplain, a pastor, a former inmate of San Quentin. God had captivated his life and changed. He said, I want you to speak next week. 
And the danger of every platform, if I can just be honest, I've been in front of hundreds of thousands of people in my life now. And the danger of a platform is how easy bitterness, self-ambition, um, and, and wanting to puff myself up comes in. Just these few inches off the ground with this microphone and lights, the propensity, propensity and tendency to fight off like you liking me is a constant battle. To go to sleep last night and go, oh, I hope they really like my story about Forrest Gump. God, if I could just have another funny joke to get them. I'm really tired and I came off a back injury and I'm sick and it's just not gonna translate. And that's how I felt in that moment. What do I have to say to these prisoners? Man, I know what it's like to kill somebody, but you know, God's good, right? You know, yeah, I get angry too, you know. I, it's in my heart, you know. I've never stabbed anybody or anything, but that's for the same. And what I wanted to come up with was my own wisdom and cleverness and ability to say, like, you should think I'm important, and I want you to walk away and go, after the years that you sat in prison, the one that you walk away with is going, that guy Dominic was special in my life. That was my first thought. Next was, I have no ability to make these guys resonate with what I have to say. I'm inept. I have no clever story that's going to hit home. When I talk about marriage, they don't relate. When I talk about parenting kids, they don't relate. They're in life sentences, multiple life sentences, and the one hour they get is to come to this church service. And Al sat with me and just said, Dominic, they don't need earthly wisdom from you. These guys need heavenly wisdom from you. You know what the craziest thing to these guys is? You're looking at them going, I can't believe you did that crime and that crime and that crime. You know what they're looking at you going? I can't believe you've been married for 19 years. How'd you do that? Wait, you've never been addicted to drugs? How'd you do that? Wait, you hold a job and you get paid for it and you've never been like let go? Like, wow, how'd you do that? You have like important friends in your relationship and you guys like have like just a dinner after Sunday together? How'd you do that? Wait, you've loved Jesus and followed him for the majority of your life? How'd you do that? Wait, the good news is for me that God would love me in the same way that, wait, like, how good is he? Tell me about that. There's no shortage of earthly wisdom. For these men, they lived out what Proverbs says in Proverbs 13, 20. It says that a, a companion of fool suffers harm. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. These men were the living example of companion of fools suffering harm, embodied in life sentences. I know how to kill somebody. I don't know how to love somebody. I don't know how to be in relationship where I'm not seeking my own bitterness and selfish ambition. Would you tell me how to do that? And in fact, you're not going to be here in a couple of years just like everybody else. So would you center something else that is rooted in this? This is one book that we see like is actually coming to life. We hope you come back. 
but we're kind of suspect of it. Do you know how many churches have come in and out of this and there's been various versions of you? I've been here for 40 years. You're not going to be here. Can you give me something that outlasts your stay here with me? In a lesser way, James is inviting us as image bearers into that. To come with godly wisdom, not selfish ambition, not of our own intellect, of our own scholarship, but one that comes from above. And this is how you know that's happening. Verse 17. Wisdom that comes from heaven is, I love James. He's a total pastor right here. In Greek, it's all an alliteration, like every good pastor should have. I don't this morning, but it's pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Not a checklist for us, but something that we can know as we're discerning what wisdom we're giving and what wisdom we're receiving. If it's from above, it's pure, it's virginal, it's peace-loving, it's, it's, it's mimicking the one who is our peace found in Jesus. It's considerate. Or translated gentle, some your translations. It's fair, it's equitable. It's full of mercy. It's, it's living out loving neighbor as self in action. It's good fruit. As opposed to that bitter fruit that's poisonous or pungent, it's good fruit, similar to what Paul would say. It's the fruit of the Spirit being expressed in the newness. The Spirit of God that now resides in you is wanting to express this in and through you as ones who have been made new by Christ. It's impartial. He speaks in chapter 2. Impartiality for the believer does not work. You're showing favor. Should I show favor where when I was in the Bay Area, I made up the middle class. I was driving my Toyota next to Bentleys and Mercedes and Lamborghinis. There was such excess of wealth. Am I supposed to give a different message to that group of people than the ones in prison that night? Or am I showing the same love and generosity and kindness and compassion to those that I encounter? Well, as ones who are touched by God, who are touched by the wisdom of God and transformed and informed by that, I'm impartial. And sincere literally mean I'm not experienced in acting. I have no acting skills to speak of. Wisdom that is doing that, that's wisdom of above. As you're discerning the wisdom to give somebody, because eventually you'll be asked to give wisdom, as you're discerning the information that you're receiving, you say, is it pure? Is it peace-loving? Is it considerate? Is it submissive? Is it full of mercy? Is it good? Is it impartial? Is it sincere? I don't always do that, church. But that's what James is inviting us to. And the reason for it is this, in, in verse 18, he says, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. There's a harvest out there. And as we've been informed by the king, as those in Christ this morning have been touched by the goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and love and compassion that Jesus has showed us that while we were enemies of the cross, that same word that we were 
using earthly wisdom, the same word that he uses here to describe earthly wisdom, that put us as enemies of a cross of Jesus. That put us in opposition with him. But Jesus, who was rich in mercy, humbled himself and, and took on flesh and then died a death that was meant for me and you. And then he rose victoriously and is given new life. And in that newness, there's a harvest that he's invited us to be a part of. There is a world longing for wisdom. And they don't need a, health, a self-help book. They don't need it to be in the Twitter sphere. They don't need another influencer. They need wisdom from above to inform them that life can look differently, the life that God designed to live. So the good news that we're invited into is that we can participate in the kingdom work. Why in the world would he want to use us? I don't know. He's just that good. I equate the work of the kingdom that I've done to when my kids would write or, or draw something in church, and we'd put it up on a refrigerator. And you go, baby, that's beautiful. Oh, my gosh. It's, um, <laughs> it's a tree, right? Daddy, you're silly. Huh? No, it's a turkey. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's the best work you've ever done. I'm going to put it right here on the refrigerator, baby. That's what we get to do. We get to go, God, this is the best I got. I'm trying to live in wisdom. Thank you that you don't, I don't have to earn favor with you. I don't have to be something that I'm not. You just have to say, as best as I could, could you give wisdom? And then with that wisdom, I'm going to put that up here. And we get to do that time and time again. And eventually our art skills get a little bit better. But it's not about us. It's not about our sufficiency. We see that Christ is sufficient enough. If I can trust the sufficiency of Christ, if you can trust the sufficiency of Christ this morning, there's no need to seek selfish ambition. You're secure in who you are and whose you are. You don't need to be bitter or jealous of what you don't have because you're satisfied in him. He's sufficient for all of life. And so then I can just dispense what I've been receiving. As I look into the mirror, I can see myself and long, moment by moment, day by day, to grow in saying, oh yeah, that's what I look like. Let me go live my day as a child of the king. Instead of, what do I look like again? I don't know. So now I'm just saying, oh, earthly wisdom. No, no, no. I'm informed by wisdom from above. This is who I am. This is who I am. Whose I am. Let's go live that out. And let's go have fun doing that. Does that make sense? I want to show you as the band comes up, just the message paraphrase. I just love it. And it's not going to be anything new that I haven't said, but I hope it just resonates for you this morning. Do you want to be counted as wise? Pause. If you're a believer in Christ, that's something that you should attain to. Wisdom is part of who God is. So seek to be wise. To build a good reputation for wisdom, well, the reputation that we want is the, the reputation of him. Here's what you do. Live well. Church, would you live well today? Would you live wisely? Would you live humbly? It's the way you live, not the way you talk that counts. Mean spirit and ambition isn't wisdom. 
Boasting that you are wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning, devilish plotting. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart. Can you say amen to that? And everyone ends up at the other's throats. That's true in the church, is it not? Sadly, that could be a a commentary on the church. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. There's an invitation that this is not a solo sport. Wisdom doesn't just benefit my life, but it actually benefits the church. It's the edification of each other. I need you to seek after the wisdom so that I can know how to be wise. I can be reminded of that wisdom and vice versa. It's gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community. Don't you want that? Don't you want that? Don't you want that for your kids and your grandkids and your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers? To have a healthy, robust community? Well, how do you get that? They live right with God and enjoy the results but only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other and treating each other with dignity and honor. That's, that's the harvest I want in my life, and that's the harvest I want in your life for you today. And God says, all you gotta do is ask, and I'll give it to you generously, without reproach. So church, would you seek wisdom this week? Two, Would you remember that he's a God that wants to freely give that to you today? Three, would you trust in the sufficiency of Christ that when you're satisfied in him, you don't have to be that boastful, envious person? And four, would you take part in the kingdom work that he's invited you and I into? Get to drawing those things and putting your finger paintings all over a refrigerator. And when we get to heaven, it'll be fun to see. Amen. I'm going to ask you to take a challenge with me this week. Did anybody, when I spoke a couple weeks ago, did anybody read the book of James every day, a chapter a day? Yeah, good. Was it good? Was it hard? Okay. I've been, hopefully the one thing you walk away with is God's a God of wisdom, and he wants us to be wise, and we can ask him for wisdom. One of the primary ways he speaks is through his word. If you want to know what he says and what he thinks, you have to read it and understand. And so I'm going to invite you, Seacoast, into a journey with me for the next 31 days, beginning tomorrow. I'm going to ask you to read a Proverbs a day with me. As a church, would you commit to reading a proverb, not like a single proverb, but a whole chapter of Proverbs a day. There's 31 chapters. And over the next 31 days, as a church, would you consider reading a chapter a day and praying for wisdom? That's it. That's our first step. I'm going to put you on the spot. If you're willing to do that, would you raise your hand with me? A chapter a day of the book of Proverbs. I want you to look around to the left and right of you. The amount of gentleness and wisdom and loving kindness and compassion that is going to flood our church. I can't wait to see what he does. I can't wait to see what he does in Encinitas as he does in heaven as we seek him. So 31 days, starting tomorrow, 
morning, afternoon, nighttime. I showed you the app. You can play it and it'll read it to you if you struggle with that. A chapter a day, and at the very end, would you just do something as simple as this? Before you start, would you say, God, I lack wisdom. Would you give it to me today? Read. And at the end of that, would you say, God, what's the wisdom you have for me today, and what do you want me to do with it? And then go do that. It sounds really simple, doesn't it? 31 days. I'm going to ask you next week. You should be on chapter 7, okay? God bless you guys. Thanks for coming to Seacoast. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.